0: South Van Studio in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production presents Under the Water Tower, sponsored by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Derek Biglane and Matt
1: Crane. Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek.
2: As you can see, second show in a row we've led off with uh, music for a legend. Well, of course, I think Sunday that was a passing of Alex Rebeck, uh, just something that I really grew up watching. I mean, I remember coming up from the school and catching some of those shows in the afternoon. Loved it. Uh, thought I could easily be on it. Thought I was the smartest, you know, 14-year-old there was. And I uh, just really loved the show and just loved watching him and uh, just, you know, some of the outtakes and stuff that you see on the YouTube right now. If you Google some of those, the, the funny things that he said. But, you know, Bravely fought That Pancreatic Cancer came out, what, a couple of years ago? Said right. that he had it, fought it, actually went in remission for a short time, was still uh, recording while he obviously had it and then uh, just, you know, passed away
1: doing what he loved. Yeah, just seemed like a great guy, Derek. Some of the interviews I've seen with him and kind of a long-form interview was on CBS Sunday Morning uh, recently with him and uh, just seemed like a really good guy. But 36 years uh, at the helm of Jeopardy, uh, like you said, I, I grew up watching it myself. Uh, my, my grandmother, we'd sit there and shell peas and stuff like that and watch Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, those type things. But uh, another legend leaves, uh, you know, in 2020.
2: So just sad to see him go. And, and you know, I guess now all we have left is say Jack out there somewhere. Doing his thing for about forty years, I guess a little less than forty years. Vanna so, White
1: too. I mean, Vanna, White's Vanna been there, White sorry, and Sage just together.
2: Uh, just that. I mean, that's they're, they're the last of the old bunch. I mean, Bob Barker's gone, Trebek, and that, that's that's what's left. Bob Barker's dead. And Bob Barker. I don't know if he's dead, but he's been <laughs> retired forever. Not only that, but uh, he's after, not there. Yeah. After after you know he. Punched out uh, Adam Sandler. Not, Billy Madison. Billy Madison, you know, Masson, just Billy Ma- you know uh, uh, Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. I mean, just absolutely just cold cocked him and then just kind of walked away after that. Just dropped the mic and walked That's out. That's what you so.
1: do. Absolutely. Derek, this team has dominated the DeSoto County residential real estate market for the last decade. What is Tim Couch? That's exactly right, Derek. Team Couch of Birch Realty Group is the presenting sponsor for the Under the Water Tower podcast. Brian and Terry's team have been our sponsor now for over two months. Thank them so much for believing in us and, and putting their uh, advertising dollars with us visited with brian just this uh past couple of days and brian made some good points there your home your home is your number one asset that everyone has it's, it's very important uh buying and selling a home is absolutely paramount in most people's lives it's, if, it's, if it's not the biggest purchase in your in your lifetime it's definitely right up there the, the point that brian and i were visiting about was why would you trust someone that only has a year or two uh experience Why would you not trust somebody that has over a 1,000 closings? And that's what their team does. So they have over 55 years of combined experience in the DeSoto County residential market, both buying and selling. So if you're looking to buy or sell in DeSoto County, please reach out to Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Their phone number is 662-449-1700. That's 662-449-1700 or teamcouch.com podcast recorded each and every Tuesday and Friday morning at the Mobile Car and Van Rental Studio. Mobile Car and Van Rental is formerly Mid-South Vans. We are located at the corner of McCracken and Commerce right here in Hernando. If you have any issues with body shop needs or car repair needs or family vacation needs, reach out to Mobile Car Rental at 662-469-4555. That's 662-469-4555. I wanted to start uh,
2: today, we've got a great show for you today, we've got an interview coming up, but before we get to the interview, we want to promote a couple things that, uh, Kind of deal with the interview. This weekend uh, is a big weekend for Hernando. We have uh, the, and both Saturday and Sunday, is the Hernando Open House. The Hernando Open House, Saturday, will have a theme called Dickens of a Christmas. And this will start at 9 a.m. from 5 p.m. all around the square area, all the shops down Commerce, uh, down uh, 51, I guess up 51, uh, heading north, and all the shops that are in and around the square. It will have the theme. you will have carolers. You'll have people walking around in Victorian dress. Uh, just a great time. Uh, to come out on the square this weekend, uh, on Saturday. And then on Sunday will be the, the open house. So it's, they go together, but the Christmas open house will go both days. Saturday, we'll have the the Dickens theme. And of course, Sunday, Santa Claus will be there at the courthouse, uh, come out, you know, just to shop the shops, really support locally. You know, we're a couple of weeks from Black Friday, but this is the real start to the the holiday season, shopping season for Hernando. So come out. That's 1 to 5 on Sunday. So 9 to 5 on Saturday, 1 to 5 on Sunday, and it all ties in. And, And one of the great things that will be there this weekend, once you find that gift, Palmer Home will wrap it for you. Uh, the Palmer Home will be out there. They're um, having a fundraiser where they will gift wrap for you. Donations, obviously, uh, accepted and a welcome. Uh, there will be a, a small fee for the gift wrapping, but, of course, donations on top of that. And, again, we'll be talking about that here just shortly.
1: That's right, Derek. Just a wonderful interview you had. About 22 minutes with Lacey Conaway, one of the house parents at Palmer Home out in Eudora. Palmer Home is a major part of uh, DeSoto County. Just a wonderful ministry uh, that takes place just west of Fernando Daily, It's just an amazing thing. So uh, we're going to go to that interview right now. Derek had an opportunity to sit down with her last Thursday uh, for about a 22, 23-minute interview with her. So we're going to go to that interview now.
2: Well, this morning we have on the UTW podcast Lacey Conaway. She is a Palmer Home for Children, house parent, located here uh, just outside of Hernando, Mississippi. I want to welcome this morning Miss Conaway.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited.
2: Palmer Home has been in Hernando now for many years and just a great asset to our community. Both my partner and I just think it's a great thing of you being a house parent and, you know, the things that you have to give up in order to do that. And so before we kind of get into exactly what the Palmer home does, tell me what was your life was like before coming to the Palmer home?
0: I have been a registered nurse for 20 years now, 18 years when I moved to Palmer and I was a nurse practitioner for um, close to 10 years. Wow. My husband was a youth pastor. We lived in Oklahoma. We mm-hmm. had met in Texas at seminary and then he took a job as a youth pastor. Um, my family all lives in Mississippi and we decided... After some changes, some things happening in Oklahoma, we decided that we would move closer to family here in Mississippi. That's
2: great. What part of Mississippi were you from?
0: I grew up in Baldwin, which is near Tupelo.
2: Glad to have you back in Mississippi. Glad that you are here. And I'm, I'm sure that you're glad to be here.
0: Excited to be here. Excited to be closer to family and those sorts of things.
2: Again, you come back to Mississippi. Did you come back specifically to take this job? Or was there something else here for you before you came uh, to become a Palmer Home house parent?
0: We moved specifically to take a job with Palmer Home. We actually took a job at the Columbus campus, and we were there for nine months before they made the announcement that uh, the Columbus campus was closing, and they were moving all of the children and house parents from Columbus up to Hernando. So, a year after we moved to Columbus, we moved up here. Two moves in two years. Wow.
2: That's a lot of boxes. And a
0: We just picked up about <laughs> six more kids on the way.
2: <laughs> so, what, what kind of led you to want to become a Palmer Home house parent and to, to actually specifically take that job when you moved uh, back to Columbus and then into here?
0: My husband and I were looking at moving this direction. We had both applied for several jobs. We had several opportunities, things we thought were going somewhere and just could not get any callbacks. And we came across this through some some friends. And I mentioned it to my husband kind of as a, hey, let's do something crazy (laughs) and just uproot our lives and take on this ministry position. We kind of threw it around. We decided just to go ahead and do our resume. And when we sent it in, after three or four months of looking for jobs, they called us back within 24 hours to schedule wow. an interview. And it was just one of those things where we felt like God said, this is it. Now you're on the right track. Now you're going the right direction. And it just fell into place. Well,
2: you mentioned there both in that kind of what you're explaining, both God and your faith. What was your faith, I guess, Growing up, were you you big in church, big in youth groups and that sort of thing, or just something you found later in life?
0: I grew up one of those three times a week, every time the church doors open, we were there. Um, Grew up in the Baptist church, attended Southwestern Seminary in Texas. I have a Master's of Arts in Christian Education. Mm. My husband has a Master's of Divinity. My faith has always been something that has walked me through some very difficult times, and being able to share that with children who have come from hard places, to show them that even when things are hard, there's somebody you can turn to.
2: Wow, that's that's a great lesson. And uh, having two kids myself, I understand how important that is and trying to raise them right, but also let them find their own way. Um, and so that, that's very important. You kind of you mentioned the children. Describe for the listeners of the Palmer Home Community and their approach to taking care of the children. How, how exactly is that done on the campus?
0: We have a very, what I call a holistic approach. We look at every aspect of their life, the physical aspect, the emotional aspect, the spiritual aspect, the educational aspect. We want to make sure they have everything that they need. We have what's called cottages It's a large house. It's not. You think cottage, you think a small house. But this is a 6,000 square foot house. We have five bedrooms for the children. And then our house parent, we have our own separate hallway that has three bedrooms. So that leaves you with eight bedrooms. So it's not a small place. But we give them the sense of home. With parents, we sit down to dinner every night. We do sports together. We have movie night together. We go to church together. We go and do fun things together. So we try to show them what a healthy family life looks like.
2: Describe like a typical day. Uh, you kind of mentioned that you do watch movies, but like when they're getting up, So I of they all attend school in the area. What, what's a typical day look like when you you wake up in the morning, first thing that you do until you know, you're going to bed that night?
0: I get up about an in- 45 minutes to an hour before all the children do, I need my coffee before I talk to people. And I finally trained most of the children that if Miss Lacey has not had her coffee, you need to give her a minute. So I get up and I do that. I have my Bible study time and then start getting the kids up. Just like every other house, getting kids up to go to school. You have to get up. You have to make sure everybody's dressed. Now you have to make sure they have a mask. You have to make sure everybody's uh, got breakfast. They've got their backpack, all their... Things that they need for school. Right now we're driving them to school. Last year they rode the bus, mm. but with um COVID, that is one of the changes that we've made is that we drive them to and from school. It's only about a 10 to 15 minute drive to take them, and it reduces their exposure and right. being in close confined spaces. So we drive them to and from school. So we take them to school, then we come back. It kind of depends on the day. Right now we've got a little one that goes to preschool three days a week. Mm. So those three days we come into town to take him to preschool. The days that he's not in preschool, of course, we've got a four-year-old around the house. So you're outside playing games, doing snacks, all the the things anybody does with a (laughs) four-year-old. Then we go pick up the kids from school, bring them back home. We do homework. We do dinner. We play outside. We do video game time. We do kind of have to regulate with six kids. You have to have a system so that somebody doesn't hog the TV all the time. (laughs) Even with two or three kids, I'm sure parents... To know what i'm talking about you got somebody that will sit down in front of the tv all day if you let them yeah um so we kind of have to watch that that's probably one of the big differences during the day while they're at school we have appointments we have lunches sometimes we go to the gym Sometimes that's just our downtime to breathe, Mm -hmm. Um, because when they come home at four o'clock, it is nonstop until they go to bed at nine.
2: That's just great. And you said that you said you are overseeing, I guess, watching over six kids right now in your cottage.
0: We've got um, three Palmer Home residents and three biological children.
2: How how do your biological children? How do they interact? Well, they openly accepting uh, uh immediately or did it take them a little time to kind of get used to it or how did how did they uh, react to it
0: when we first moved to Palmer we had a an older group of teenage boys we have a 6 year old a 10 year old and a 13 year old when we moved to Palmer uh we had an older group and so it was a little bit harder for them to connect. Right now, we've got children that are the same age as my biological children, so it's easier for them to connect. As with anything, the more time you spend with those people, the more of a connection there is. We've had children that have graduated from high school and have gone moved into our transition program, but when they come back, my kids are hugging on them, just like it's their brother that left. It really depends on the personalities. Like I said, right now, we've got kids that are around the same age as my biological kids, Kids and they get along very well.
2: I think that's good, especially because, you know, they just are so welcome and accepting. And you're right, it is easy when they're their own age have the same interest. Probably are in classes together. Is that, do y'all usually see that or not see that?
0: Right now we don't have them in classes together. I actually think that's pretty good. As I grew up with a twin sister, uh-huh. and my mom specifically did not have us in classes together as much as possible, just so that we had that socialization outside of each other. Right. So I can see the benefit of that coming from the situation I grew up in. All
2: right, so obviously you kind of told us what a normal day looks like, and, and again, with I have two children. You already had three biological children, so that's enough. I mean, you're already playing zone when you have three children and two <laughs> parents, um, but uh, so how was the, the Palmer Home helping you especially during this time to protect the children uh, with COVID everything that's kind of going around right now what what specific things is Palmer Home doing to help during this you know uncertain time
0: we have util- what we call utility workers that come in to help with the school right now if a child sits too close to somebody that's been diagnosed they get sent home on quarantine we've got the third child in 30 days that's on quarantine uh. so for the last month we've had somebody home all day long and it makes it hard to be able to go and do anything. Yesterday I had to take one child to a doctor's appointment but we had to pick up another child from preschool but we have one that's quarantined at home. So you got two parents in three places to be. So we had to call in some extra help yeah. and it's those types of things that utility comes in to help with. To pick up the kids at school or to just sit in the house so that the child on quarantine is not there by themselves. So just those types of things is really where the help is coming in.
2: Are you ever asked to help at other places so you are you utility too could you come in and help somebody or they just have specific people that are utilities that come in and help
0: the house parents are pretty close to each other and a lot of times we'll call each other for help before we call outside people there are days when I have to pick up the high schoolers and the middle schoolers we've kind of have it divided where there's three houses on our street on our cove there's six cottages all together on our Palmer home campus but there's three on our cove we all go to the same school one house takes and picks up elementary one house does middle school. One house does high school. So we're not all running to all three schools. But I know that if I need help, somebody, the people that pick up high school, it's right there by the middle school. They'll just swing by and pick up middle school. And sometimes oh. I have to pick up high school. We had an emergency last month where we had to take one of the children out of town. And the other house parents picked up the two other children. Um, and then my sister took my biological kids. Okay. So we call on each other more than we call on outside people, probably.
2: That's good. That that symbiotic relationship that y'all can do that back and forth. That's that's fantastic. Um, you kind of described that you said you had six cottages. Describe kind of, you know, I, I know what it looks like. I've been out there several times. It's a beautiful campus. That The cottages are beautiful. Uh, They've got a great setup there. But uh, could you kind of describe for the listeners a little bit more who have not been out there what the campus itself looks like or how it's structured?
0: The campus is beautiful. Acres of green land. There's a large lake, a large pavilion. In the summer, our kids love to fish and to swim in the lake. We get the kayaks and the canoes out. When you first come into campus, you have a choice of which direction to go, right or left. We have an office that is to the right, and then all the um, cottages are around the other direction. The newer cottages were built just just a few years ago and you'll run into those first and then the older cottages that were built in the early 2000s. I live on the older section um, and our houses are set up with separate we call them wings when you walk in you've got one set of bedrooms to the right and one set to the left so if you have boys and girls in the cottage you can keep them separated on opposite sides of the house. Mm We have a large kitchen with a large pantry. We actually have a conference room table as our dining room table because when you've got 10 to 12 people sitting at the table, you need a big (laughs) space. We have two living areas, a larger area and a, what we call a TV nook. It's a smaller area. So we have a PlayStation and an Xbox <laughs> set up. So the, I mean, I got teenage boys. We know <laughs> how they are. They like their video games. So we've got two separate places where they can watch TV or play video games. We've got a computer area so they can be on the computer. Um, so we've just got lots of space for them to move around in.
2: If I remember right, there's also like a chapel on the campus?
0: Yes, that's o- over with the new cottages, yes. and Has- it, It's a beautiful, beautiful place. You get in there, especially at sunset, it's a beautiful view.
2: You know, we'll talking about the chapel and, of course, your background uh, in, in ministry and uh, your education, how much do you share with your children like the Word of God? I mean, are y'all. I know that you said you get up before and do a Bible study. Do you actually sit down with the children? Uh, I'm assuming that they attend church regularly. How, how does that set up work uh, for the children?
0: We attend church twice a week, Sunday and Wednesday. Before COVID, there were times that we would go three times a week, but right now we're at two times. And we have a lot of conversations, sometimes just driving in the car, children that have never been experienced exposed to the word of God, have a lot of questions. Mm. It's not always easy to trust a God you can't see. And so they have a lot of questions, but why? But why would Jesus die for me? That doesn't make sense to me. And just being able to walk through some of those things with them, even just driving down, the honestly, the, the biggest conversations I've had have probably been driving down the road. And wow. just on the spur of the moment, being able to share that word with them and be able to answer some of the questions that they come up with i
2: guess there have been some obviously personal times of these having conversations uh have you seen them become closer with the lord in the time in the cottage that you've been with them
0: we've definitely seen that we've seen children that have been baptized we've seen children that have been concerned about the spiritual welfare of their biological family and Mm. not knowing where they stand with God and that that's a concern to them.
2: I didn't expect that's That's really unselfish. And that, that's great that they can actually get to that level of thinking. That's that's fantastic. So we talked about the kind of the children. We've talked about, you know, their relationship with God, with your children, kind of how they're dealing with the, the school and COVID and that sort of thing. What about you and your husband? Uh, you said you had some downtime when they're at school. I guess maybe right now you don't because of the separate quarantine every month, it sounds like, in normal times or, or in times that you do. What are some of the things that you do in taking care of yourself, your self-care? Here. What what are y'all able to do, or how do y'all manage the, the downtime?
0: We like to go out to lunch at least once a week with our other house parents. That's not happening right now because we've got kids at home all day. <laughs> we also go to the gym. Like that's one of our big things. We and even with somebody at home, we try to make time at least one of us to go once a day. We try to go three times a week, but we've really we start joined the gym back last December and really have made that a priority, making sure that we're healthy and that we're staying healthy. <laughs> (laughs) and um, that our health is a priority I like to go get my nails done it's not something that I had time to do when I was working outside the home but I like to go get my nails done Uh, he likes to go golf once or twice a month with the other house dads on campus so there are some things that we can go and do there are some weeks where there's no time when you're just like yesterday i left at 11 and didn't get home till four mm. some days some weeks are like that you're just not home all week right. but then there are times when we have the opportunity to do some of those self-care times we also try to get a date night in at least once a month we have some volunteers that come in that stay with the kids so that we can go out to dinner and talk about some things that we don't normally get to talk about
2: it sounds like a lot like i mean it, it's you know, you think that you're out on a campus or you think there's some, but it's, it's just real life i mean y'all are y'all just a parent with six children, uh, you know, I guess we've all, well, not all of us probably, but a lot of us watched the Brady Bunch growing up, and we it's a lot. It's definitely a lot. So let's kind of go back to your background as a medical professional. What have you seen during these times, or what advice would you give to those listening to help through the, you know, not only— COVID, which we've been dealing with now for six or seven months, but as we enter the flu season, what, what are some of the medical, uh, uh, I guess, advice that you would give, you know, that you're telling your own children and also to people that are listening?
0: I think one of the hardest things is when you're sick, stay home. If certainly if you have a fever, like I know there are colds and there are allergies and you can't stay home every time you have a runny nose. But if you have a fever, stay home. If you've been diagnosed with strep or the flu or COVID, stay home. Even working as a nurse practitioner, I had people that were diagnosed with the flu and they'd go, so they'd send their kid who was diagnosed with the flu to spend the night at somebody's house. I'm like, they have the flu, stay home. So that's one of my biggest things. (laughs) Wash your hands, wear the mask, stay home if you're sick.
2: A couple other things I want to ask you. You know, we talked about uh, how you've shared your faith with the children and kind of the questions they've asked. How has your faith gotten stronger by becoming a house parent?
0: Kids from hard places come with hard issues. And there have been days when I just was on my knees crying and saying, God, I don't know if I can do this. Mm -hmm. And his word was spoken clearly to my heart that you can't, but I can. Mm -hmm. And just... Knowing that I have to depend on him every day, that I have to depend on him to know the words to say when a child is upset or when a child is angry, when to back off and when to push, when to let them have their space and when to say this is something we need to talk about and something we need to work on.
2: That's a powerful message. And and I guess it also applies to your own children, your own biological children, too. Uh, Being able to do
0: that. My oldest is 13, about to be 14, and going into those teenage years, it's really such a give and take of them learning how to be independent Mm -hmm. and learning how to do those things and navigate relationships and friendships and me trying to take a step back and say, you're going to have to figure this out because in 10 years, mama's not going to be there to figure it out. Right. And they need to have a way to figure things out with that safety net of, mom's there if I need her. One of the things I really like about Palmer Home is the transition program that just because a child is 18, they're not just kicked out. Mm. We have an entire program dedicated to those young adults that need a safe place to land that are learning how to spread their wings. But like any 18 to 24 year old, sometimes you just need to come back home. Sometimes you just need a safe place to land and an adult to guide you. And being able to provide that is one of the things I really love about Palmer
2: from personal experience yeah 18 years old you think you're ready to face the world and you're not and sometimes you just have to be able to allow to be to come back home and that that is a again a great message uh, for all the listeners out there as we wrap up tell us ways that people like myself uh, or others listening that could help the Palmer home you know obviously you know we can if we if we can afford to we can always write a check and you know and, and we always talk about you know to please find causes to give to uh, in whatever way that you feel led. But what are other ways, you know, obviously giving money, but that, that people can help uh, the Palmer Home, not just now, but uh, throughout the future?
0: We have a program called a mentor program where people can actually take on one of our children for um, – One weekend a month, it's a relationship. Studies show that children that are raised in an institutional type setting do better once they leave that setting if they have relationships outside of that setting. So we try to set that up. Uh, We have families that will, you have to go through a training process, a background check, there's some training, and they match you up with a child who will come and stay a weekend at your house once a month, sometimes longer during the holidays, sometimes they go on trips during the summer. It really depends on the relationship between that child and that mentor. I can tell you that I've got teenage boys at my house, and it's really hard to find families that will welcome in a teenage boy. For some reason, teenage boys seem to be scary, (laughs) but let me tell you, they can reach on the top shelf. You don't have to give them <laughs> a bath like you do a three-year-old. They can put themselves to bed. They can do their own homework. There are some real advantages to the older kids. They can go do stuff like hunting and fishing, things that we don't always have the opportunity to take them to go do because there's six of us, Right. Um, because we have six kids. So having that one-on-one relationship, having kids be able to see what a traditional family looks like. We also have our foster care program. Families can take in a child on a As a foster child Um, They would live with them like a foster care through the state system, but it's through Palmer Home. And so there are specific guidelines there. But those children that are placed in foster care opens up a bed at my house. So then we can take in more children. The more children that we can help, the more children that we can secure a better future for.
2: So the foster home, that the the child would actually leave campus and go live with that foster family. Just like, okay.
0: Yeah. And we've seen some great successes with those um, situations. We've seen some children that have really thrived in those situations situations.
2: Any other ways, any ways that we could help or listeners could help?
0: This coming weekend on the 14th and 15th, we've got Dickens on the Square and then Open House where Palmer Home will be doing gift wrapping. And if you want to come out and let us wrap gifts for you, um, we can also discuss other ways that you can get involved with our ministry.
2: That's right. So that's next this weekend from. I think believe 1 to 5 on Saturday. 1 to
0: 5 Saturday and Sunday.
2: And Sunday. And again, for those listening, th- those are two separate events. Dickens on the Square is Saturday, kind of the Victorian age uh, that the uh, city is putting on. And then Sunday is the Chamber Open House, uh, which will be uh, but in, in all intents and purposes for the Palmer Home. The fundraising is the same. It's a gift rafting both days uh, with all the proceeds going to the Palmer Home. We really do appreciate, Lacey, you coming on here today and sharing this with us. We think that your story is wonderful. Uh, the sacrifice that you and your family have done is, is incredible. Thank <laughs> you. And we just uh, hope that you continue for many years to come. Is there a way, I guess the last thing I want to, is there a way that people listening can become foster parents themselves? Like, well, Is there a way that they could, uh, it's, if somebody's hearing this and has moved and God is speaking to them, how could they become a foster parent uh, for the Palmer Home?
0: Contacting Palmer Home, contacting um, us through our website. We've got a phone number on there that you can call. That's the first step is just calling and expressing an interest. And the, we have social workers that that is their job is to get a hold of foster parents. So if you contact Palmer Home and say, I'm interested in this. They will get you the information.
2: Okay, and the, uh, the website is palmerhome.org. Again, www.palmerhome.org. So please reach out if this is something that you feel glad to do. And if not, then again, if you want to support by sharing a child for a weekend or having a child for the weekend, or given, you know, there's many fundraisers. I know the Mud Bug is a huge fundraiser for y'all in the spring. Of course, it was not able to have, did a uh, I guess, a virtual one this past year. Hopefully, we're in person uh, in 2021. And then, of course, uh, this coming up weekend, uh, just to, with the gift wrapping and everything that way. So, again, Lacey, thank you for coming home. Thank uh, you for having me. God bless you, uh, and we hope to uh, have you on here again.
0: Thank you.
1: Want to say thank you to Lacey for sitting down with uh, with Derek net last week to uh, talk to him about her experiences as a Palmer Home uh, house parent. Uh, just a phenomenal ministry again. What they what they do out at the Palmer Home out in uh, you know West of Town out in Eudora, Mississippi. Uh, just an amazing thing. Derek really neat nice person. Uh, you and I were both here during the interview, but uh, what a nice person and just you can. You can tell she she exudes Christ.
2: Well, she really does, and it was just uh, hopefully from the answers you can hear that you can just feel her passion for Christ, uh, for the, the the her own children, for the children that uh, you know she's kind of taken in as as being a house parent, and just for her love of what Palmer Home does. I think it really came across well.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And don't forget, the Palmer Home will be a part of this weekend, the Dickens Christmas on Saturday, nine to five. They will be gift wrapping gifts. Uh, donations accepted obviously you know whatever donation you want to get i don't think they're necessarily charging a certain amount but they're accepting donations for for their time to wrap your gifts and then on sunday they'll be doing it as well one to five on sunday for the uh, i'm assuming the hernando chamber open house yes or, uh, hernando?
2: saturday is the city mainly putting it on okay. sunday is the chamber
1: uh, Lacey's interview brought to you by the print house located right behind funder pharmacy here in hernando the print house is your one-stop shop for printing services Whether it's business cards, banners, screen printing for t-shirts, as well as a showroom full of all your vinyl and t-shirt needs, the ladies at the print house can help. Simply give them a call at 662-298-3105. That's 662-298-3105 or find them at theprinthousems.com. Derek, Natalie, and Heather have have relayed to us uh, the growth that they've experienced from the podcast. Uh, Several phone calls just last week came over from the podcast, uh, different uh, people hearing us each and every week. So we say thank you to them for putting their advertising dollars with us, and we wish them nothing but the best. And please continue to support them there at the Print House right behind Funderburk's Pharmacy. Podcast also brought to you by Williams Services. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. Entering this fall season, the leaves are about to start falling. Williams Services specializes in leaf removal, as well as tree trimming and fall cleanups. Give Richard a call at 662-292-8855. That's 662 662- Two nine two eight eight five five, 8855 or find him on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. That's Williams Lawn Services on Facebook. Parents,
2: are you considering making a schooling switch either next fall or possibly as soon as the semester break? Is your student getting enough quality interaction with real teachers in a personalized setting? North Point Christian School can help your family make the switch. Mark your calendars for this Sunday, November 15th at 2 p.m. North Point will be hosting their first open house of the year. This open house is especially designed for new, prospective families with children pre-K-3 and up. NCS is conveniently located in DeSoto County near the intersection of Goodman and Gitwell Roads. For nearly 50 years, the school has been delivering a high-quality and affordable private education that is distinctively and unapologetically Christian. Come see why families in three states, 28 cities, and 41 zip codes have made North Point, DeSoto County's largest and most desirable Christ-centered college preparatory school. School representatives will be on hand to answer your questions about North Point's distinctive approach to school health and safety as well as our unmatched academic, athletic, and arts offerings. Reserve your spot today by contacting Director of Admissions, Ms. Sheila Sheeran, at 662 349 5127 again miss sheila sharon at 662-349-5127
1: i want to say thank you again to the advertisers on the under the water tower podcast the print house in hernando williams services New to the podcast, North Point Christian School, and also Magical Destinations of Hernando on Fridays that, when we read their ad on Fridays. So thank you to them. If you'd like more information about advertising with us, we have a packet that we can email you, a price list that we can email you. Please let us know under the water tower info. That's under the water tower info at gmail.com.
2: Well today is Tuesday It's that wonderful time Where we get to talk about The DeSoto County Fact of the Week DeSoto County Fact of the Week Provided to us By the DeSoto County Museum Matt went by there This past Friday Could not stress um, Rob met him uh, Right out, right around lunchtime Took me around and, and actually gave me Kind of my own Quick private tour Just a great thing He's been swamped With tours He said for Over the last several weeks Both people have uh, Been referred to By our show have Heard it on our show Have gone there Other groups coming in Just kind of Read about it Seen it you know, wanted, Needed something to do during these times and again you know he's got it perfectly wiped down you, you come in you get hand sanitizer plexiglass where you check in they're wearing masks I mean very well done you know for a town our size and for a county our size just a great exhibits I mean just several exhibits every town has its own exhibit there's a new military exhibit kind of a wing that he's done he's uh, kind of opening up a new wing that's eventually going to be a children's museum I, I cannot stress if you've never been there please go and you'll be amazed if you've been there in the past. Again, six new exhibits that are there, the Holocaust exhibit, just so touching. Please go see them, and we really do appreciate Rob and the work that he does and, of course, providing us with the fact of the week. Remember last week, we had an election-themed fact of the week on Wednesday when we came to you with our our special show. I'm going to piggyback off that as the election kind of seems to still drag on and we're still waiting for some some finals across the nation. Back in 1915, during that election, citizens were required to pay a poll tax to be qualified to vote in elections. Since the tax amounted to $2 per person, many failed to pay. Politicians kept up with delinquents and would pay the tax for those they believed were their supporters. So not really buying votes. You're just kind of paying for them to be able to get to the poll. While votes were not actually sold this practice did tend to obligate a person to vote for the candidate who paid their tax. So I'm going to read a list of who was elected that year. Two things. Number one, I'm not accusing these people of paying anybody's poll tax to get elected. But also, the main thing is for the listeners to hear some of the names that we still associate with DeSoto County today. Correct. Those elected in 1915 were W.L. Harrison, Sheriff, R.C. Clifton, Chancery Clerk, W.F. Wood, Circuit Clerk, R.E.L. Morgan, Superintendent of Education, so again, elected back in 1915, now appointed, S. N. Savage, tax assessor, Robert W. Love, treasurer, J. F. Vunkanen, surveyor, John T. Oliver, ranger and coroner. So both he was the ranger <laughs> and the coroner. Yeah. Uh, so if, J- he did, if he didn't
1: make it in time, he could pronounce you dead. That's correct. <laughs> John W. Barbie,
2: state senator, Dalton Warren and J. C. Lauderdale, state representatives, and the supervisors were R. M. Davis M.C. Dixon, no, excuse me, Edwin Nelms, J.H. Nell, and Abner Lauderdale. So, again, just a great – I mean, Clifton, Lauderdale, Oliver, some of the names that are still around here, Barbie, uh, some some names that are still around here in DeSoto County. But, again, do we appreciate uh, the fact of the week. Hope that everybody's getting something from this fact of the week. And, uh, you know, well, he continues to, to provide these, and we just really appreciate all that DeSoto County Museum does.
1: Yeah, Rob's a great guy. I had a chance to – I wasn't able to sit down with you guys at the meeting, but we did talk – Rob and I did talk a couple of days before – I think he said he was, Rob's 55 years old. He's been, he was in journalism for 30 years. 30 years. Pretty simple math on that. He has been he has given his life to journalism, to Soda County, et cetera, for a long time. So just a, a good guy. Try to get over the to the um, Soto County Museum right there across from Bank Corp South and Blue Ribbon Cleaners on Commerce, just a, a gym uh, for Hernando, the city of Hernando. If you hear our voice and you don't live in Hernando, you're missing out on the coming to the museum. Not necessarily on Hernando, but you're missing out on coming to the museum. Try and get over here as soon as you can. Derek, something else we're, we're changing or moving from uh, statewide stuff, uh, a little bit of from the election last Tuesday uh, exactly a week ago today where we had our uh, election the three major things that we voted on for the state of Mississippi give us a quick rundown on uh, what's got to happen through the Secretary of State for uh, those things to happen for us
2: people that come up to me and asked me you know now that these things have been I guess voted on approved. I think uh, two at least two of them were at least three-fourths approved and maybe one of them was 65-35 but uh, two-thirds or more approved all three of these measures okay that's great we wanted to take place Well, we're going to talk about each one of them briefly, as you mentioned. The first one, Initiative 65, so this is the the medical marijuana initiative. The Secretary of State's office has 30 days from Election Day to certify the results from the 2020 general election, and this is pursuant to Section 23-17-41 of the Mississippi Code annotated. And then what it says is that basically they have 30 days from the date uh, by, of the official declaration of the vote by the Secretary of State unless the measure provides otherwise. So you should start seeing, I guess, advertising, the rules, everything after December 3rd. Uh, this will be you know, certified, and then it will move forward with you know kind of the postings and, and kind of the plans that they had put in place with that. So I would say, well, a lot done get done before Christmas? Probably not. First of the year, absolutely. You'll probably start seeing things being rolled out for that. The next one, the House could concur- This is the resolution number two that said that the majority now would win in all parts of the state. There's no longer state, quote-unquote, electors for certain races. This also 30 days from the election day to certify the results by the Secretary of State. However, the Secretary of State, once all the results are in and, and ratified, the amendment will be inserted into the state constitution through a proclamation from the Secretary of State's office. So this is not something we have to say, okay, we got to wait for the legislature or there needs to be a timing out. No, once it's certified that it was you know, officially done, and unofficial results become official, then the Secretary of State can put this into effect into the state constitution. The last one was, of course, the state flag. State flag, same thing, 30 days. They have to certify the results, so they're in the process of doing all of this right now. Once the results are certified, and if the majority of the qualified electors, again, this election was still done with electors, voted yes to the proposed design, then the legislature shall enact into law the new design as the official state flag during the next regular session of the legislature after the election. So they take the legislature right after Christmas, uh, right after the New Year, excuse me, legislature will meet. You know, Usually it goes from January through the end of March or April to based on how long it takes them to get the laws passed. Uh, and so sometime at the beginning of January, they'll bring the gavel down uh, on the new uh, flag for the state of Mississippi.
1: I would assume it'll be pretty early on in that uh, legislature, uh, the flag getting passed, or, you know, I would assume so.
2: Man, a three-fourths vote, right. I can't see anybody bringing up any kind of stink about it. I mean, yeah. you would hope not, since they were the one that actually voted on sure. it without, we did not get to vote on right, it. Right, sure. Uh, or vote on the choices. We got to vote on the one that, you know, that they put together and, and that they kind of put the process on how that would work. So I can't imagine them turning themselves down.
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> I would I would agree with that. So initiative 65, that's coming. the medical marijuana uh, initiative uh, moving forward. Amendment amendment 2, that seems to be the easiest one for the Secretary of State to put in place and and start that uh, rolling. And then the flag, we're probably looking January, February, probably at the latest there uh, on the new flag being officially done and taken care of for the state of Mississippi. Moving on to something local. Derek, you and I love to talk about DeSoto County Schools. We visited with Corey Elselton a few weeks back and had an opportunity to interview him. Uh, One of the things he mentioned on our show was the 10 classrooms that are coming to Hernando High School. So, Hernando High School, you'll be getting 10 classrooms definitely in the next two years. I'm going to say maybe possibly in the next year, uh, maybe for the school year, uh, upcoming school year. And, again, it's going to be going right there between the baseball field and the, uh, the band hall is where it's going to go. So, 10 classrooms coming to HHS. Four classrooms are coming to D.C. Primary. That's four classrooms going to DC primary and then four classrooms coming to Pleasant Hill elementary. Derek, I think Pleasant Hill may be rated the top elementary school in DeSoto County from what I hear uh, most times. So uh, amazing growth right there on uh, Pleasant Hill elementary. Uh, So four new classrooms at Pleasant Hill elementary uh, coming for DCS. So DCS staying ahead of the curve, working hard to keep up with the growth. I mean, 10 classrooms at HHS is a pretty darn big deal. Uh, Derek, you know, I've heard some rumors about different things going on with Hernando high school over the next five, years Um, so we'll keep you up up to speed of things we know but uh, again DCS staying ahead of the curve staying ahead of the growth uh, working hard to uh, take care of the 34,000 students each and every day This
2: is something that's needed, obviously. We've got great schools. People want to live here, want to move here, but you've got to prepare for it, and it seems like the school is trying to stay on top of it, adding 18 new classrooms total across the county uh, with, I'm sure, more to come in the future.
1: Something else, Derek, the Planning Commission meets tonight. The Hernando Planning Commission will be meeting tonight. Something interesting, Derek, we scanned over it a little bit, but the most important thing to discuss – or that's kind of raising a little bit of uh, questions on Hernando Happenings and different uh, websites, and people want to talk about different things. So if you picture going down 51, where Renaissance Park is, which is the skate park, the dog park, and the new walking trail. trail. So you're going south on 51, right there on the right is, is Renaissance Park. On the north corner there... Uh, is a zoning opportunity or zoning uh, meeting tonight with the Planning Commission about a planned mini storage? Derek, tell us about it.
2: All right. When Renaissance Park gave Renaissance Bank, excuse me, gave Correct. Renaissance Park to the city, a couple of the parts that were left out were, you know, that the first, the ones closest to the road, there would be two commercial spaces uh, with a road kind of cut through it, so there would be a commercial spot on either side of the road uh, that leads into the park. Well, this is for one of those spots. Looking for one of those spots is a mini storage. Uh, this is, an a C4 designation would allow for that. And so they're allowing to, um, this is what they want to do. Ben Smith uh, is the one with IPD LLC is the one that is bringing this to the commission tonight and going to talk about it. Uh, it's on the west side, uh, the south of West Oak Grove Road right there on the west side of 51, so right where Matt was talking about. Uh, so, so it would be, I'm assuming, on the north side of the road, so it would be on the same side as the dog park as you're driving in. They want to put in mini storage, and, again, residents around there are upset about it. They want to see something more family-friendly. They want to see, you know, Obviously, this does it is commercial taxes, which does help us, but they think that in that area, especially, you could have a better use of commercial taxes that's geared more toward families, more toward maybe retail selling stuff that could be used out there. So, that's this is their right to go tonight, 6 p.m. Oh, Hernando boardroom. I'm sorry, they were meeting at the Gale Center. They're now meeting at the City of Hernando boardroom at City Hall. So, the same place that they have an alderman meeting tonight at 6 p.m. If you want to have a voice, show up tonight. Planning Commission will be there, they'll meet about it, of course. If it passes the Planning Commission, uh, it will then go to the Alderman meeting next week. If it's tabled, of course, they'd have to wait. Uh, if it's denied, then they can appeal to also go back to the Alderman, and the, and the Alderman, though, would have to accept to hear it. So, this, you know, it could be pretty heated tonight. You know, we have Natalie Lynch that comes on our show. We'll ask her to come on, you know, next week or the week after to discuss this. But Planning Commission only meets once a month, so there will be plenty of time to have her in to kind of discuss everything that went down. I'm hoping to have her the earlier the better, but it's based on Natalie's schedule. Tonight, 6 p.m., hear about kind of what they're planning to do, why they've chosen this location. Uh, I think it will be very inf- informational, and we look forward to getting back with you and reporting on our podcast kind of what comes
1: from that it's currently zone c4 which allows for mini storage i mean you said you know what they're planning to do and stuff i mean i guess it's interesting I, I, i'm looking forward to learning maybe what they have the issues with uh, i would assume that the gentleman's going to build a very nice project there uh, mini storage uh, the city can kind of tell him what kind of brick to use the quality of all those type things i would assume he's going to do a very good job of, of quality so really interesting to see um what what people have the issue with
2: yeah i mean you know those mini stores put on my kraken two years ago Yeah, brand new um, one right there next to principal it's, it's brick a lot of stink about that you, you see it that's the first thing you see when you're coming down the interstate when you get to hernando what does that make hernando look like well of course now we have a car dealership next to it and i, I really don't even notice it as a driver exactly. so i'm not saying that what they want to do is right or wrong i'm not saying and again i don't live over there so i, I in no way would i comment either way because i it does not affect me. I'm on the other side of town, the other side of 55. If you want to talk about it, if you want to uh, discuss, if you want to hear, if you have an open mind and just want to see what's going on, six o'clock tonight at City Hall.
1: Okay, so try and get out and take a look at that. Again, we'll try and catch up with Natalie Lynch. Let us uh, let her educate us on uh, how things go and, and and what the plan is there. Pretty, I'm one of those people that says, hey, this this piece of property has been for sale for a long time. If you wanted to put something on it, you easily could have put something on it. Uh, it's it's there. It's been there, been for sale. I know the gentleman that had, that, that had it for sale listed to sell. So it's been for sale for years. If you had an opinion of what you wanted out there, it was yours to buy. That's right. And now I mean, another gentleman. Exactly.
2: And that, that's pretty much any location. So, <laughs> right. uh, you know, and, and I, you know, they have a strategic plan. I mean, yeah. they're in the middle of another one right, right now. We sure. talked about it. So, you know, maybe they say, you know what, we would rather have Many storage is close to fifty five and fifty one. But this is close this is on fifty one. So you know, I don't know. I, I I'm I'm gonna be interested. I'm gonna watch it probably after the fact, uh tonight and maybe sometime later on this week I'll I will actually watch it. But I do want we, we do wanna have our favorite commissioner Natalie in here to talk about it and go from there.
1: Yeah. Uh Derek, we're gonna turn our attention to sports. Yeah, speaking of battling, <laughs> Speaking of going to battle, yeah. Speaking
2: of going to battle, we've got playoffs. Playoffs did start this past Friday, and now we've got playoffs continuing. You know, luckily, or I guess gratefully, for some Desoto County teams, public schools, this Friday we'll start with North Point.
1: I was there. It was a long Friday night. It was a
2: long Friday night. It was not pretty, (laughs) unfortunately. Uh, It was over pretty quickly. Battleground, very good team coming in. We knew it. Four and four. We talked about it. They had they had two losses to really good private schools. Played in a really tough uh, league. Their league was very tough, and their other two losses were to larger public schools in Nashville. So the record of four and four, this is not a four and four team. They came in, they imposed their will. Uh, they stopped uh, North Point on open and drive. Uh, North Point did move the ball to about the 50, maybe maybe into their territory actually a little bit. They were forced to punt, and then basically after that, it was just down here roll. They had 28 points by the end of the first quarter. One of those is a pick six. Another pick six in the second quarter. By the halftime, Matt. Only thing I disagree with the whole game was calling a timeout with point two seconds left. They're up forty-two to nothing.
1: That's a bit aggressive.
2: Forty-two to nothing. Call a timeout with point two seconds left to have their field goal kicker try and make a forty-five yarder. That's um to go up forty-five nothing at halftime. Well,
1: I mean, they have some more games coming up, so they're trying to get ready. You, you
2: know. know, I. I <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's it. That's not classy. That, like, that's not classy. If
2: if I'm on their team, I'm excited for the kicker. I'm excited for the practice, and I'm excited that I'm putting to somebody forty-five nothing. Being on the other end. It, it was a little Bush League move. Yeah. Um, I, was, uh-huh. I was upset. They came out second half. They did the right thing. They put their second team in. Our second team, our being North Point, better second team than their second team, which was, I guess, something to play for. Sure. Ended up losing 45-13. Did score twice in the second half. A great, the coach did a great job. Uh, Tower Gold, the coach for North Point. All seniors got to play. If they had not already played during the game, they were put in in the fourth quarter. Final carry of the game was by the senior offensive lineman. Got right. his got his only carry of his career uh, to end the game as runs as out so just a great job of the coach getting everybody in great season by north point again oh and 10 to three and seven to four and four we'll see what happens next year but you know great Season, fellas, just a that, that's a that's a good team now that, they're probably not going to win the next game or two because that's how strong it is. You've got ECS, who's a, a massive hill to climb every year for in, in district for North Point and just in the state itself, and then you've got Lipscomb Academy in Nashville, who just absolutely destroyed St. George's worse than North Point got beat 63 to 3. So there are some teams still left to play. So, again, Bowling Green, good luck to you. Um, but uh, North Point, great year,
1: battleground. Not Bowling Green. Did I say Bowling Green? You said Bowling Green. Every time. (laughs) Every time I see see the BG. I'm like, Bowling Green. Well, Bowling Green is from my hometown, so that's why that's exactly what you're doing. And, and look, so uh, UTW podcast listeners, uh, Trent Dilfer, the former uh, Super Bowl champion uh, quarterback, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is the coach at Lipscomb. They've got a heck of a thing going up there in Nashville. Um, he is coaching Lipscomb. They beat St. George's sixty-three to three last Friday night. So an absolute murder going on there. But look, North Point four and five on the season, four and four going into the playoff. You know, we're, we won't count that against you. But just uh, go from zero and ten two years ago, three and seven last year, four and five this season. Uh, you know, guys, good good job. Hey, and Derek. We'll continue to say this throughout the playoffs, throughout the rest of the, the football season. You're playing football. That is a big deal right now.
2: North Point, you got nine games in. Gradu- on, nine, this exactly. year you got to play nine right. games. You got nine games. In.
1: Yeah, there's kids in Michigan and Illinois and so forth that, that they, they uh, can- Shelby County, Shelby County, oh Shelby wow, County. You're totally right. Shelby County's yeah, zero public, public school, school games. Played. That's exactly right. We're gonna move down to right here under the water tower. The Hernando Tigers, Derek, you and I picked it. We felt like they were gonna go to Olive Branch and get the win. Uh, Hernando just rolled Olive Branch, thirty-one to. 13 from what i can tell was not even that close hernando moves to six and four on the season five and two in regional play with a 31 to 13 victory against ala branch Isla branch started out four, four and oh Alabranch finished one and five two and five in the region so the wheels really came off about the early part of the season for them just uh limped their way to a five and five uh season uh, they're done for the year uh, but Hernando moves on. We'll talk more about playoffs uh, in just a few minutes. Playoffs. Three DeSoto County teams will be playing in the playoffs this coming Friday, and we're going to get to those shortly. But Hernando does travel to Olive Branch wins 31-13. Congratulations to the Tigers. We go far out east. Center Hill coming out of quarantine, Derek. Two games they had to forfeit. Center Hill was rolling towards the playoffs, more than likely. Center Hill got one practice, and then had to travel to West Point. Could not get it done, 40 to 21, running their season record to five and five, three and four in the region. That's five and five on the season, three and four in the region. Two of those losses are quarantine losses, or yeah, COVID nineteen uh, losses. But West Point, forty to twenty-one, Center Hill wraps up their season, their twenty twenty season, with a record of five and five. So, you got any stats on that? I
2: don't have any stats on that, man. I do want to say that for Center Hill, I just feel bad because sure. they probably would have won both those games that they had to miss. Right. So, you're talking about a better seed, uh, and you win this game, you're still in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, you're fighting for a three four seed. Not having to win to get the four seed.
1: Yeah, because one of the teams you played was an awful team, Saltillo, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you'd have gotten one of those. Uh, you 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 know you might but have been sitting 6-4, 7-3, 2-3 or three seed, and it uh, just really stinks for those young men.
2: Yeah, and I, I do want to um kind of went past it real quick. I do want to give a shout-out to a couple of the Hernando players. Okay, great. Uh, now, Zach Wilke had a real good game. Nick Gardner, opening score, touchdown. Wow. Uh, to start, start it off. Of course, he also found Reed Flanagan, crossed the goal line on a pass play from uh, in the third quarter, made it 31-7. And uh, Jackson Usselton started into the first half, excuse me, with a 41-yard field goal. Wow. Uh, to ha- bring it to 24-7 right at the end of halftime. So, again, we had – Several players for Hernando uh, just an all-around team effort, all phases of the game, so congratulations to them. Unfortunately, did not have anything for the West Point Center Hill to get out there, but uh, again, great season Mustangs. I know it did not end the way that you wanted it to. I know that you rather would have been able to play those games, probably would have been playing this weekend. We hope to see you again next year, and, and good luck. And Guys, keep your head up, and again,
1: you played football. Exactly. You got to play, uh, well, you got to play uh, eight games total, uh, season record of five and five, but got to play eight games, get out there with your buddies, get out there with your seniors and play. Lewisburg traveled to D.C., center part of the county. Lewisburg traveled to D.C. Lewisburg sitting at, uh, Lewisburg finishes their season three and eight, three and eight on the season, 0 and seven in the region. Uh, DC beats Lewisburg twenty seven to three to get their last win, get get their record to three and seven, one and six in region play. So the seller dweller this year, Derek, is Lewisburg Patriots.
2: Uh, unfortunately that is correct. <laughs> Mainly because of Richard Coleman. So the Central. Three touchdowns in the first half himself. Wow! Yeah. Three rushing touchdowns for Richard Coleman. He got, got across. We got 21 nothing at halftime. The only touchdown from Lewisburg came by our boy Blake Speed. There we go. Still a great name. He had a five-yard run with less than two minutes left in the game for, for that only score.
1: Richard Coleman sounds like a guy that ran for uh, like school board or something. <laughs> Richard Coleman <laughs> vote Richard Coleman for school board sounds like that kind of guy South Haven traveled to Horn Lake man just a big game you and I talked about it on Friday Derek that's the game we probably would have liked to be at no offense you were at the North Point game and that you could have probably made that game <laughs> <laughs> With the running clock, say, with that run clock, I could saying. have made the fourth quarter. Yeah, you probably could have made the fourth quarter. I turned this game particular off or didn't stop paying attention to it at twenty to seven Horn Lake. It ended up being twenty-seven to twenty. Horn Lake gets the seven point victory running their season record to five and four, five and two in district play. Horn Lake has really turned it on since the beginning. Uh Horn Lake also made the playoffs, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But South Haven at Horn Lake, South Haven five and five on the season, three and four in region play. Again, had two forfeits due to the coronavirus maybe things could have been a bit different Seven and, three, six and four probably made the playoffs but it wasn't to be this year but still 10 games played some guys there some d1 talent on south haven we've talked about all season want to wish those young men uh luck in their uh, future college plans but uh, south haven takes a loss 27 to 20 horn lake gets the win
2: south haven again a team affected by the coronavirus uh did have two games that they had to you know had to forfeit don't know how that would ended up maybe there's maybe they're still fighting this uh coming up weekend maybe not but and, you know they they could could Have wanted to have been in, as I said, great game, would have loved to have been there. Uh, but Janoris Hopkins uh, did have a couple touchdowns from Horn Lake to seal it. Uh, South Haven didn't have two scores late to bring it back. Uh, Brevard had one of those scores, but again, just too much, too far on the hole. Horn Lake Eagles advance playing this Friday,
1: playing this Friday, which again, we'll mention in just a second. Last public school game last Friday night, Derek. The Lafayette Commodores traveled to Lake Comerant, right there in Lake Comerant, Mississippi, against the Gators. Uh, Derek, you and I picked the Gators to win. We did. We did pick the Gators to win, and I'll be darned. 26-16, to 16, the Lafayette Commodores come north, and they go back with their tails between the legs. Lafayette runs their season record to seven and three, five and two in in region play. That's seven and three, five and two region play. Do make the playoffs, but Lake Calhoun runs their season record to seven and two and five and two. So the Gators get a big win, twenty six to sixteen. Was the, was the final score there. Uh, NLC will be in the playoffs, actually hosting the playoffs, which we'll talk about in a minute. Any stats?
2: Well, Cormont started off in the hole. Uh, kept the only scores to kind of start the first half were Kevin Ruiz, had a pair of field goals, including a 40-yarder first quarter. So, you know, they did have six points. But they trailed for the first quarter and a half. And then right before halftime, Tevin Amos, Telvin Amos scored a touchdown to bring it to 17-14, a lead for the Lake Cormorant, and then they never looked back. They had a 12-yard score with 3:37 left that sealed it away, 26-16. I was able to keep
1: up with it a little bit on Twitter. It was a close battle, 20 to 14, maybe 20 to 17, that type of stuff, or 16, and then next thing you know, 26-16. But just a, I mean, what a big game on Friday night for an opportunity to host uh, this coming Friday. So winners for this past weekend: Hernando over Olive Branch. West Point beats Center Hill. DeSoto Central did beat Lewisburg 27-6 uh, to, to pull themselves out of the cellar uh, in the region. Uh, and then Horn Lake beat South Haven in order to host – I'm sorry, in order to make the playoffs. So a big game there. And then Lafayette traveled to L.C. and L.C. won 26-16. So this coming Friday, Derek, we're going to talk more about the games on Friday. Obviously some of the teams are done, so we'll be able to dive uh, deep dive into these games that I'm about to mention to you. Three DeSoto County public school teams will be playing in the playoffs. They are. Hernando will travel to South Panola. They've started the season with South Panola at home, lost to them 14-13 to 13 on some interesting calls, but lost to them 14-13. So Hernando travels to South Panola this coming Friday night, I'm assuming at 7 o'clock. If you can travel to Batesville, please do.
2: There were some questionable calls. I remember you talking about it probably not going to get those calls either in Batesville. No.
1: It's going to be a very hard uh, road to hoe, yeah. no doubt, in, in South Panola. South Panola's 8-2 on the season, so they've, they've rattled off some pretty darn good wins. We'll talk more about that on Friday. Horn Lake beat South Haven last Friday. They – Earn the right to travel to the Clinton Arrows. The Clinton Arrows will be hosting the Horn Lake Eagles this coming Friday night, again, assuming it's 7 o'clock. If you can travel down for that, if you're a Horn Lake listener, which I've started to pay attention to, I think we're getting some Horn Lake listens, travel down to Clinton, and uh, good luck to the Eagles on that one. And then lastly, the only team, DeSoto County team, hosting a playoff game this coming Friday night is over in Lake Comorant, the Lake Comorant Gators hosting Ridgeland. That
2: is Com- correct. I mean, the Gators, if you're looking for something to do Friday night and you love high school football, there it is. Now, your door is not that far away, yep. especially if you live in Hernando. Get get out there, go down there, watch them play, support it. You know, It, it is a DeSoto County team, 5A, only school to make it, uh, having the whole playoff game. So, again, couldn't be proud of the Gators. If they're getting the two-seed. Uh, in the 5A, in the north half, two seed is what they they ended up with. So they do get to host that game. I do want to, Matt, uh, before we – we're going to break down the games on Friday, but I want to make sure everybody understands if there's any confusion of why Hernando and Horn both have to travel. Okay. All right, so if you remember, Oxford won the division. I mean, they won – Oxford they won beat the, Tupelo, yes. They beat Tupelo, so Oxford finishes 7-0. and They're going to host, and they're, they're the one seed for the north. The Hernando West Point – excuse me, Hernando Tupelo – and Horn Lake all ended with five and two records. Okay, so what happened? Well, Hernando beat Tupelo, who beat Horn Lake, who beat Hernando. So it's a three-way tie for second. I had to look this up. I assumed that the tiebreaker would be out of conference because that's what the TSSAA uses for Tennessee. That is not correct. The Mississippi High School Athletic Association, they use point differential between those teams. Hmm. So Between the three teams. Between the three that are teams. are tied. That's right. Okay. So let's let's go through what happened. Tupelo lost to Hernando by two. Yes. Beat Horn Lake by twelve. Mm-hmm. So that differential is ten. There plus ten. Yes. Hernando beat Tupelo by two. Yes. Lost, lost to Horn to Lake, Lake by, by two. two. Yes. There's a zero. Horn Lake beat Hernando by two. By two. Lost to Tupelo by twelve. There's his negative ten. So that's why I said is the two seed. Hernando's the three seed. Horn Lake's the, the four seed. Oxford and Tupelo get to host. Hernando and Horn Lake have to travel.
1: Man, I was watching that Horn Lake game, the South Haven game, just really pulling for South Haven to beat Horn Lake. No offense to, to them, but I really wanted Hernando to be yeah, able to host. Yeah, South that Haven would have awesome. won.
2: South Haven would have been the four. Tupelo would have dropped to the three because Correct. it would have been just Hernando and Tupelo with the five and two records. Horn, uh, Hernando would have had the tiebreaker and been the two
1: seed. Still, a heck of a good season. Hernando six and four on the season. Uh, goes to South Panola this Friday. Horn Lake. Horn Lake uh, finishes their season five and four, but five and two in regional play. And they're traveling to Clinton, Richland at Lake Comerant this coming Friday night. We will break down these games and visit with you about them on Friday. Looking forward to a wonderful Friday show. Um, but again, playoff football is is pretty awesome. It's a really really good time. Try to travel down to Batesville if you can. Try to get over to Lake Comerant if you can. If you can travel down to Clinton, if you're a Horn Lake Eagle fan, uh, please do and drive. Safe. Safely, of course. If you like what you're hearing each and every week, please look us up on Facebook at UTW Podcast on Facebook. That's UTW Podcast. On Instagram at UTW Podcast. That's Instagram at UTW Podcast. But most importantly... If you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe wherever you're listening to our podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere that you listen to our podcast, please hit subscribe so we can keep up with that so we can know what you know, what people are liking, the different shows that people are enjoying. Hit subscribe wherever you uh, listen to your podcast each and every week. Really
2: enjoyed this. Really enjoyed the interview we had with Lacey. We really appreciate her coming on and just thank her again and all the that Palmer Home does for the community. Um, you know, we can't thank them enough. And we also previewing, we will have uh, Friday, we'll have another interview. Uh, Jim Ferguson, the president and superintendent of North Point, will be on here kind of talking about their open house that we uh, that their ad talked about that will be Sunday, this Sunday at 2 o'clock. So, again, just really good interviews we have coming in. We just appreciate those people giving their time to try to get the word out to everything wonderful that
1: we have in DeSoto County and uh, just look forward to that. I don't know about you, but whether it be at church, the grocery store, or the gym, or anything like that, people are stopping me nonstop just to talk to us about what's going on on the podcast, what we talked about, alderman meetings, fact of the week, football, those type things get some really nice texts each and every week from people listening so continue to grow and we thank you and please try and support our advertisers and let them know where you heard about them and let them know that we're uh that your decision maybe hinges off of uh, them using us as as advertising on the UTW podcast well Derek if that's it I'm Matt and I'm Derek join us next time under the water
2: tower